0: This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to the 40th episode of Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we discuss what made news, what didn't and some things that shouldn't have. We are back this week with a sparkling new panel to discuss media's coverage of issues over the last week. We also have a ground report from Rotak, so we'll be talking about that. But let me first introduce the panel. Today on the podcast, we have Ashish Chauhan, Senior Correspondent with Times of India Ahmedabad. Ashish has previously worked with PTI. He has extensively covered the Patidar Movement and the Gujarat Assembly polls. Hi, Ashish. Hi. We also have Amit Bhardwaj, our Special Correspondent. Hi, Amit. Hello. And Prateek Goel. Hi, Pratik. Hi. Prateek is the latest addition to our sweet little team. Also joining us later during the podcast is Christina Thomas-Dhanraj, a Christian Dalit woman from Chennai, Bangalore. She is a volunteer consultant for women and minority-led initiatives, focusing on social justice, self-determination, among other things. She is actively involved in Dalit Women Fight Campaign and is the co-founder of Dalit History Month. Most recently, she was published with Roundtable India, Gender IT, The Wire and Skin Stories. So, Let's dive straight in. Ashish, I would like to begin with you. You yep. did a story about attacks on migrants that are continuously happening in Ahmedabad, yes. which were triggered yes. by the rape of a child. Could you give us yes. a little context and could you tell us a little about what's happening on ground and what's the current status? Yeah,
1: the
2: situation is uh, volatile at present also. Uh, it begins uh, with uh, rape, as you mentioned, a uh, rape of a 14-month-old uh, girl in uh Samdhunde village, town of
1: Sabarkata
2: district. Mm-hmm. I, I must say that uh and Sabarkata is uh, highly populated by migrant, uh from across the country.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, unfortunately, the accused who has uh, allegedly raped that uh, toddler is from Bihar.
0: 14 months is really. It's
3: 14 yes. month or a year?
2: 14 months
3: old. 14 month old. She's just,
2: okay. Yeah, she's just one year old, you may say. So, she was raped and dumped uh, near at uh, her house, and uh, she is at present being treated at a, a civil hospital in Ahmedabad. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this gave fodder uh, to some of the leaders, and they started uh, inciting uh, sentiment in mm-hmm. the name of migrants versus local. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, the rape incident occurred at uh, 28 September,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, on 1st October, Alfesh Thakur, is a Congress MLA from mm-hmm. Rajanpur and also a an, uh, big uh, OBC leader.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So he had addressed the rally
1: mm-hmm.
2: in uh, somewhere near Wadhanagar, which is also a hometown of uh, our family in the modi mm-hmm. He
1: addressed
2: the rally and uh, he has, uh, and uh, in that particular rally, he had incited. I mean, uh, if I go backwards, two words. Mm-hmm. He had said, migrants are uh, responsible for the uh, crime Mm-hmm. They are responsible uh, for violence against women
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, they are eating out our job.
0: And after this the violence sort of spread?
2: After that a rally was held and some political incidents of violence I mean uh, people from a particular community they ransacked uh, some industrial areas in Himmatnagar, uh, mm-hmm. Mehthana mm-hmm. they went on vandalizing mm-hmm. and then uh, on 2nd and 3rd October violence uh, was
0: also reported in Ahmedabad hmm, hmm. ashish i want to bring yeah. in prateek here he was mentioning that the migrants were held at a warehouse
4: yeah, sev so reports aaye thi ki kareeban uh, 45 se 50 ke beech mein jo migrants the to in ek factory mein band karke mara peeta gaya tha matlab unko haan,
2: in ha uh, incident hua tha uh, gandhinagar ke ek uh, kasbe so, there was a migrants there, there was cold storage, was there it was a lot of migrants there, owner the factory, he was also beaten by Chamiscans from a particular community. So, there was a lot of you must be knowing that uh, that entire town of Mandal Mandel, which is in Ahmedabad district, uh, hero
3: ka, uh, plant or nano plant there is also violence political violence ho Ashish what has been the role of Alpesh thakur's uh, Thakur Sena I mean uh, police yeah. has registered several FIRs against the volunteers of yes. Thakur yes. Sena so how do you see yes. their role in the entire violence which is happening in Gujarat right now yeah
2: actually six uh, of his, uh, his bearers. They are directly involved. Their name is uh, in FIR, uh, in Gandhi Gandhinagar and Ahmedabad. Uh, they are accused of uh, dacoity, uh, assault, and criminal intimidation. Uh, one is uh, 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 the Gandhinagar uh, General Secretary and Congress leader, also. Uh, his name is Matt Mohotajit Thakur. He was uh, threatening some migrants in Gandhinagar. Okay. And uh, uh, he also made that video viral just to showcase the people that uh, he's with locals and he's with Thakur and he wants to migrate. Uh, I mean, they just, they had took me away. Uh, he was giving such kind of tests. So he was also booked and he's, I mean, he's under police custody. Apart from him, there were uh, around five others who were named in uh, different FIRS.
1: Right.
3: During the Gujarat polls, uh, we saw, you know, Bob, first Alpesh Thakur, it said that he, he, you know, somehow tried to deal with both Congress and BJP and finally... Uh, The final deal happened between the Congress and uh, Alpesh Thakur and uh, his role was seen as uh, one of the key factors which might influence the entire election. That did not happen, however. Exactly. Right. Now, so do you see this attempt, you know, uh, if the allegations against Alpesh Thakur that he incited the mob and uh, his uh, Thakur Sena was behind the violence... So, do you yes. see that there's a desperation and frustration in Alpesh Thakur, uh, considering the fact that you know the uh, Lok Sabha elections are uh, around the corner, and yeah. it is also an attempt to, uh, to increase his electoral chances in, yes. in the politics?
2: Yeah, actually, he wants to explore uh, his uh, support base. Uh, besides, I must tell you, he is also Congress's uh, in charge secretary of uh, for Bihar elections.
3: Ironically, so, going, Yeah.
2: yeah. Practising Goel is, uh, I think he is in charge and he is uh, assisting Gohil there. Hmm. So Alpesh, I mean, he was uh, already stressing for 85% jobs to local. So he had begun that issue way before elections, before uh, state assembly election. So now he wants to extend his base. But just now he has uh, support from Thakur community also, only. Now he wants to go to other OBC communities, Dalit and uh, Rajput community also, because they have sold their land for uh, industries and now they have nothing uh, to earn their livelihood. So he is picking that point that migrants are here due to which you are uh, not able to earn uh, enough uh, in Gujarat. So this is the point basically he wanted to highlight for so many months.
3: I wanted to know yeah. just uh, two more things from you because you have been reporting yeah. on the issue number one how volatile is this situation I mean is the, is, the, is there still panic in people yeah. uh, f- from the non Gujarati people who have been living there number one and yeah. uh, number two when you say that you know he is trying to reach out to more uh, uh, yeah. OBC communities be- and yeah. he is trying to reach out beyond the Thakur community so is yeah. it working like is this agenda or uh, plank working for him I
2: don't see I mean, I will first answer the second question. I don't see it working because you know uh, he had tried to consolidate uh, in the name of Gujaratis versus non-Gujaratis,
0: you know,
2: and uh, it's not going to happen because you know people, uh, migrant people are backbone of Gujarat's industries. So if you make it Gujaratis versus non-Gujaratis, then people will not support you. We have seen uh, Gujarat uh, voting on communal lines, but migrants versus non-migrants uh, or Gujaratis versus non-Gujaratis will not happen here because they are also part of the industry. Uh, first uh, question that you ask, is uh, Alfish I mean, he is trying to reach out to more number of people. But where he failed, he had not seen the factor that agriculture community, Partida, or Thakos, they are also getting help from the migrant labour. Whether it is in uh, field or it's in uh, agriculture, dairy, animal husbandry, uh, migrants are everywhere. So there is, I mean, he could not see that uh, people are so mingled with each other in Gujarat. And uh, uh, regarding the situation, situation is still volatile. People are in panic in some areas. That's why the uh, police is organizing a uh, flag march in uh, both the parts uh, of the city. Because Ahmedabad is divided into two parts: western and
4: eastern. Ashish, you have to so, say, this is the thing laborers UP, Bihar, Madhya Pradesh have to migrate. So, in Gujarat, there are industries in Gujarat.
2: Around मैं 60 से 70% पीपल जो माइग्रेंट हैं जो यूपी बिहार या just से भी आए हैं काफी लोग जैसे कि सूरत में काफी ज्यादा है 40% की अभी अहमदाबाद में 15 20% percent migrants हैं इंडस्ट्रियल एरिया में so अभी 60 से 70% लोग बिकॉज़ कल ही मैंने बात की थी काफी इंडस्ट्रियल हाउसेस तो वो बोले 60 70% लोग काम नहीं कर रहे हैं और काफी लोग मतलब अगर हम पुलिस के आंकड़ों पे जाएं या फिर जो हम लोग डेली रिपोर्ट कर रहे हैं देख रहे हैं तो उसमें कम से 5000 तो अपने राज्यों में वापस जा चुके हैं
4: अच्छा अच्छा
2: तो इंडस्ट्री आप देखिए बेल्ट जो हांसोल या फिर ठाणे में है नैनो का प्लांट है अभी हीरो का मोटोकॉर्प का प्लांट है टू व्हीलर प्लांट है जापान का यहां पे टेक्सटाइल यूनिट है बहुत बड़ा ऑटोमेटिक प्लांट है वहां पे काम ही नहीं I'll say around
0: 60 to 70% come over. Ashish, last question I had was, uh, I mean, since it was triggered by the rape of the toddler, but how does that... Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Triggered by whom? It was triggered by the incident of rape, but I was asking, why or how did it lead to sort of violence against all the migration, all the migrants? Like, how can we, how can violence Mm. be perpetrated against all the people who are under that category.
2: Hmm, hmm, hmm. I mean, it's very unfortunate because, you know, the accused is from a particular state, he's from Bihar. And uh, after that incident, one sentiment, uh, sentiment was on high. There was uh, a debate by, on why we are uh, inviting migrant people to our state. So the rape war, was a triggering point. And now uh, people, and some of them are jobless. They see uh, migrants as uh, they are eating our jobs. So, they began venting uh, out their anger against my agency, hmm. And this is a simple, I mean, what I have perceived uh, till now. Hmm.
0: And yeah. how has the local media been covering this?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, from, uh, I guess, uh, last six to seven days, uh, uh, coverage is ex- extensive in uh, uh, English media and uh, in local uh, as well.
3: Do you see any of the newspaper organizations you know uh, trying to justify the violence which is happening or maybe trying to dilute the entire issue
2: which organization, sorry?
3: I'm asking any local media organization which might have tried to dilute the issue. Has there been any attempt?
2: No, no, not at all. I, I didn't say any such attempt. Okay. Pe- people are, I mean, people in media are against these attacks. Okay. So, I don't see any uh, such dilution.
0: Okay. Ashish, before I let you go, do you want to share your recommendation?
2: I, I have been reading a Hindi book uh, these days. His uh, name is Hindu Hone Ka Durm. By Prabhas Joshi, I mean, he was a veteran
1: journalist
2: from hmm. Jansatta. Uh, so that's a nice book in, the, in today's time. I mean, now we are seeing people being divided in the name of community, caste, religion, hmm.
1: okay.
2: and uh, there's a debate debate on Hindu to, uh, hmm. tolerance. So that is a great book. I mean, it is a compilation of uh, articles which were published in Jansatta way back in 92 till 2002, I guess. Okay, so it's a uh, good book to read.
0: Okay, thank you so much, Ashish. Thank you so much. Moving on, we have Christina Thomas-Dhandraj. Hey, Christina, welcome to Reporters Without Orders. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So, we'll get straight to the discussions, which is first, we primarily want to talk about the MeToo campaign that's going on on Twitter. So, so many allegations have been leveled against a whole bunch of people. Names are coming out every minute. So, first, I just wanted to ask, what do you think of this MeToo movement?
5: Well, basically, what I feel about this Me Too movement is that it has been a long time since we've We've wanted to talk, and we wanted justice as women, and we wanted to call out our perpetrators mm-hmm. but there has been several barriers to attaining justice, both as a system in, in within academia, within our corporates, within our workplaces and I feel like this movement uh was something that was simmering for a long time and and we just had it coming, and it had to happen this way. Hmm. Ideally, in an, in, a, in a perfect world where we all attain justice, I don't think a Me Too movement uh, would have happened. But it so happens that we live in an extremely unjust world where women are denied justice, hmm. uh, as against you know men who seem to be having um, all the power. And therefore, my general, my generic feeling about this movement is that it is important. And it had to happen at this
0: point. We also have two men on the panel. So before I ask you the next Mm -hmm. question, I do want to go to these two men and ask them what do they think of it. Amit? I
3: think I largely agree with Christina. And uh, this is an important movement. And uh, the second version of uh, the movement, which is now being seen as Me to India, uh, we have seen, uh, you know, what what has been the uh, output of it. You know, senior journalists, editors mm. being called out, and they have been asked to step down. Mm. But I also believe that uh, you know, while the Me Too movement is happening on Twitter and the digital on digital platforms, it should also extend. Uh, you know, we should also take care of the due process. Mm. Uh, due process should be followed, and wherever there's a possibility of taking uh, legal process against uh, people who are be- who are being called out, mm-hmm. so that should be followed as well. Otherwise, what happens is uh, you know it will stay limited to the social media platform. we and come
0: back to the due yeah. diligence. I just want to go to Prateek Pratik, apko क्या लगता what are your thoughts on the me too campaign that's going on think
4: he, me too campaign थोड़ा हो गया और पहले आ जाना चाहिए था जिससे कि और बहुत लोग बच जाते इसमें तो अच्छा हो रहा है बिल्कुल चांस
0: नहीं मिलता कुछ करने का किनको परपेट्रेटर्स को चांस नहीं मिलता करने का
4: हां मतलब बहुत रुक जाता और अभी जो हो Jo, jo, ya, film stars ya, new TV You're
0: saying if it was it would have brought an end Haan. or rather slowed down the process.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, Christina, Amit brought up a point that it is India's Me Too movement. But I just wanted to ask, is it really India's Me Too movement? I mean, the voices that we are hearing. And it's also just limited to Twitter as of now. The voices that we are hearing is limited to a certain section of society, is limited to a certain class. So does it really, is it justified if we call this India's Me Too moment?
5: Well, um, as uh, and we've talked about this before, as I had highlighted in my uh, Twitter thread is that um, I strongly believe that this is not India's Me Too move, uh, moment, although it definitely has a certain, um, it, it definitely has a certain kind of scale that has somehow invited and evoked uh, a lot a, a, a much bigger response from the audience, uh, you know, on social media and otherwise. Um, but we should remember what happened last year, hmm. sometime around the same time, if I'm right, uh, by Raya Sarkar, who essentially yeah. started this who sparked off a Me Too moment hmm. uh, in India. Uh, mm. But that was very much uh, restricted only to, any, only to the academia. Mm. But I think, I do believe that it, it started then. And uh, the kind of battles that Raya and team had to fight mm. at that point in time, uh, the kind of backlash that happened from mm. even the most... Uh, um, the most established of Indian feminists was pretty breathtaking because mm. it felt like a lone woman's battle against a barrage of criticisms that came her way at that time. Mm. Now, why this Me moment is different at this point in time is because of the people who are, who are doing it. Mm-hmm. and in my opinion i feel it's primarily because the people who are who've been building this me Too moment or rather who who've been working on it uh, for the past one week or so are, are established journalists are people who come from um, upper caste and upper class backgrounds who, who seem to have a certain position in the society already who seem to have a certain status in the society already and therefore it feels like th- there's a certain validity that is that is attached to this to this kind of you know revelations and I feel and and one part of me feels that that, that's probably unfair because um Raya's Lohsha and as well as the survivors' uh, specimens that came out, uh, or rather survivors' uh, voices that came out last year's equally important, should have considered to be equally important as much as it is given hmm. visibility now.
0: No, I mean, this time what is happening is people are putting out personal anecdotes. From what I remember of last year, it was just naming
5: Right. So we should not forget the fact that, you know, uh, what happened last year was led by a a Dalit woman herself, Raya, Mm -hmm. as well as some of the survivors' voices, if I'm right, um, came from uh, Dalit Bahujan women. And um, as against the general understanding that, you know, um, some of the women, at least the general understanding that women need to be more open and should come out and talk about what has happened to them, Dalit women and women who come from underprivileged and marginalized sections of the society are not always privileged enough to reveal details about their lives and they don't have the social capital or the monetary capital to protect them from the consequences um, after they come out with their stories or their, the, or their traumatic episodes. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it's very, very appealing um, from a movement perspective to hear survivors themselves, victims themselves talk about their stories. It gives an, an amazing opportunity to cover it and evoke uh, the kind of sensational response from men, women and everybody. But... We have to see this in context and we have to Hmm. see this in the context of a Dalit Bahujan survivor or a Dalit woman victim who is trying to come out with her story. And the reason why she's coming out with her story and is trusting another person enough to to, to share her story, to share evidence Hmm. and also be able to name the perpetrator is because she's unable to do it elsewhere, Hmm. right? She's unable to get the justice elsewhere, whether it is within the academic um, uh, context or whether it is elsewhere. She's unable to get and there's absolutely no confidence that she may even get justice if she goes out and Hmm. asks for it. And therefore, she feels it's more trustworthy to share it with somebody that she knows and that she believes in. Okay. Hmm. And um, uh, she trusts her enough to like not out her story or out her name, and that's Hmm. that's precisely what's happening. Hmm. But here, I think this year, um, the way it's happening, um, apart from you know uh, three of, uh, uh, apart from the three feminists who've been holding the movement, we've also had women come out with their stories on their Twitter wall. Meaning mm-hmm. you could go out, go and see yeah. women actually talking about their experiences. It's very, how do I put it? It's very, um, uh, it's very empowering in uh, in in one way, but it's also it, it also need to be understood in context because not all of us can do that. You know, yeah. if me and I can't them, myself a fairly privileged Dalit woman. Even I don't think I will be able to do it because the kind of consequences um, that I could potentially face are very, uh, are very different from mm. that of what upper caste woman would face if they um, when they come out with their story. But
0: I mean, this is just a thought, and please correct me, or uh, you can feel free to disagree with me. But consequences might be different, but consequences are are as real across class structures. No.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. Consequences are bound to be there across class, caste, um, gender and all kinds of structures. But Mm -hmm. the magnitude of those consequences and the ability to fight those consequences or address it or even face it. Mm Those things change, right? Those things are very much determined by these structures. Task determines what kind of capital I will have to face my consequences. Do I have, um, do I have a loyal friend? Do I have, um, uh, do I have a family? Do I have the ability to quit my job and go find another job? Are there people? who will help me find another job. I mean, these are just instances of what could potentially take place and what kind of help I would require if I were to report or if I were to come out with my trauma story. But you're right. I mean, um, the, the, the consequences might remain the same, uh, but the magnitude of those consequences and the ability to face those consequences definitely are determined by um, by, the, by your social location. True.
0: Christina, Prateek has a question, so I would like to bring him in. Don't you think this uh,
4: Me Too campaign is limited only to urban masses? Because if you take the unorganized sector of a country, like just take the example of a housemaid, she's going to a uh, house... Or like for work and she's been abused over there. She doesn't have any platform to uh, bring uh, to, to bring uh, her ordeal to the notice of the people. So don't you think this is very urban and this thing limited to a particular...
0: Limited to people with access to technology as yeah. of now.
5: Yes, absolutely. I, I don't disagree with that at all. I agree with you and I do believe that um, uh, the way I, uh, Me Too India is happening right now in mm. its form and shape... Is definitely urban and um, dare I say even slightly elitist in its articulation and in its delivery and in its how do I put this in its politics. Hmm. Uh, but I would not want to use this point to undermine the passion or the uh, or the truth behind this movement. A, and B. I do want to give some benefit of the doubt in the sense that this is still early. Hopefully, the way it will take. Uh, shape and form eventually would would be able to you know uh, would be able to reach other sections. Become and, more and inclusive. More voices will emerge. Um, but as a critic, as a, uh, I do believe, it's a valid criti- criticism to place on in, uh, me to India that is happening right now.
0: I mean, I had another question since we are talking about what are what are the how do I put it, cons or the criticisms that the MeToo movement is facing in India right now, what is happening over Twitter. I mean, Mm -hmm. is it, there is this debate about how this is now also becoming is being misused? I mean, is there is it important to create a distinction between what is sexual harassment, what is misbehavior, and what could be a bad date? What are your thoughts on that?
5: So to be honest, uh, I have been confused myself hmm. and i've been there have been several instances over the past one week or so where I've tried to understand, you know, can just about anything be be posted, can just about any incident we be, be used to name just about anyone where does it stop? does it have limitations? does this have boundaries? So I've been fairly confused myself to be very honest, hmm. but having said that, I feel like me Too movement in itself mm-hmm. is is something that like I mentioned early in the um, in the beginning um it's something that that we had it coming like it it had to happen. And when when something like this happens, there's not usually uh, a structure or a form to it. And uh, just about anybody saying that this is the way it should happen or only only this defines as Me Too and that doesn't hmm. will be subject to criticism, will be sure. subject to questioning because who decides how it's going to be? Because this in itself, what's happening right now, is more of an outburst. At least that's the way I see it. Because it's been years and years and years of impunity, and then, and then all of a sudden, here's something that we could do. There are sisters out there, there are people out there who are coming up with the same kind of stories. Hmm. Let's just get onto the bandwagon band, band hmm. and, and 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 you know go ahead and name the hmm. name and shame the abusers. I mean to me, that's that's hmm. what's happening. This is more hmm. of an outburst. So hmm. I don't think at least as of now hmm. we can we can say or we can we can kind of restrict it into saying that this is how it should happen. Hmm. That's the first thing. Hmm. The second thing is that is there a need to differentiate between sexual harassment and misbehaviour and a bad date? Yes and no. Depends really as to who is defining it, right? Hmm. Because uh, I mean, for a very long time, and this this is something that happened when um, the article on Aziz Ansari was written. Um, a number of my main friends, I mean, at least during the conversations I've had with them, have said that you know this sounds like a bad date. This is this is just you know uh, it's just a. It depends on who decides what is misbehavior and what is sexual harassment and what is a bad date. Hmm. So during the uh, discussion that was... Um, du- uh, when the article on Aziz Ansari came out, um, a number of discussions that I've had uh, with my male friends reflected the fact that, hmm. at least to me, it reflected that men are probably seeing seeing it as bad dates, while women are looking at it as you know sexual harassment. Hmm. We are assuming that all of this is happening within a se- heterosexual context. Hmm. So probably... Uh, you know, men asking for, asking for sex repeatedly is it's, it's just them trying to, you know, uh, trying to push a little boundary. But for women, hmm. probably we hear that and we think, wow, that's that pushing my sexual boundary and I don't like it. It's fairly harassing. Or, or much worse in several cases, as, as as it was in the case of Aziz Ansari and several of the other stories that we've read over the past one week. Hmm. Hmm. So I think we, we should probably make a distinction, but who would be making that distinction? How would we be carrying out the discussion? Will it be part of public debate? Will it be part of personal debate? It's our personal situations, I don't know. But right now, I think the moment is for us to hear these stories, hmm. listen to the women. Hmm whoever those women are to understand what these stories are and what the content of these stories are and what is it that's irking women so much True. and what is the problem really and why are men not able to get this message only then we will be ha- able to have more mature conversations around what defines I think race probably, race race probably the two men on the
0: panel race. can come in here and tell us
3: yeah. I mean uh, this is not a question rather than an argument uh, to you uh, Christina and the entire panel you know we, we have been listening and reading the stories which are coming up and uh, everything is quite shocking. But, I mean, again, I'll bring back the entire discussion to the point that... uh It's the peak and I think these are the opportunities uh, where, you know, we are talking about issues which are very important to us, Mm. uh, uh, to our workplaces, to our homes, schools, colleges, universities and why we should not also put equal amount of focus on, you know, the due process, whether the organizations are following the due process, whether there are institutions, mechanisms to tackle such uh, uh, sexual harassment because Me Too is happening today, but the business would go as usual maybe a week later mm. so the let's talk about the mechanisms and also you know the legal battles mm. and above the last argument i mean uh, last thing that i have to say on this is uh, we me to happened in the uh, west we are talking about we are talking in Indian context right mm. now. Mm. We are a country where, I mean, forget about gender sensitization. Sex education is not given properly in these schools. Mm. So, entire generation of generation of men in this country, including mine, mm. and I don't know, I can't uh, talk about Pratik, sir, but uh, I mean, we have been brought up where there have been no education per se when it comes to gender sensitization. Mm. How to, uh, you know, understand issues related to gender, the power, power dynamics, and what is wrong, what is right. What you understand is from your daily life, what you read from books.
0: Which is what I think, this this is the next discussion that I wanted to bring up. Like going forward, what is the step? One thing that you mentioned was... Talking about institutional mechanisms, talking about conversations, even going back to school, we need to have more gender sensitization, including sex education. But right now, this generation, what do we do about them? We can't send them back to school. But so there, I think it is important for men, like women are speaking up, but here men need to step in. I mean, even when we were we were having this discussion, I saw you and Pratik kept quiet. So, I mean, this is what I think. I think men need to participate in the discussion as much. I might put you both in the spot and I am asking you, is this discussion making you uncomfortable?
3: I doubt. I mean, I I believe, I personally believe that, you know, on this particular issue, uh, we should allow women to speak what they think about it. And it is our opportunity. At least this is my personal opinion. It isn't learning chapter for me, learning experience for me, hmm. I'm reading what is being put out, what is being said, and I'm, pro- and, you know, I'm trying to process whatever is happening around me. Hmm. So the, uh, my silence is more to do with the learning experience and, uh, you know, p- uh, processing whatever is happening on the re- all the relevations that are coming
4: out. Pratik? Nee, I mean, it's comfort. comfort ki baat nahi. I mean, I'm very much comfortable. But I said, I want to support the I mean,
0: what I'm trying, what Amit, you said that it is time for you to sit back and learn. But what I'm asking is, if sexual harassment, since sexual harassment, I wouldn't say if, sexual harassment is so pervasive. So, do would men not have seen it around them? Like, why is the onus on the woman to come forward and talk about it?
3: That's what I said, you know, again, the entire problem goes back to our our families, our schooling system, everything. I mean, Mm. and it's not, again, it's not only about India. The problem is larger here because... The, I think uh, that is South-
0: just externalization of responsibility Putting it on the schooling system On the social conditioning I mean we can't really think that the men are so, so how, unaware so,
3: so when we talk about patriarchy What do we mean about like by it? It's the conditioning of You know, I mean If you look at it hmm. So you are conditioned in a way where the men think that we are superior than the other uh, uh, the other gender, hmm. and there's a sense of uh, not only superiority. You also think you can go on to abuse people, bully people, and I do believe there's lack of you know uh, sensitization, not on all these issues mm. and one thing uh, because you asked about you know uh, now me too is happening we can't mm. send the generations back to study mm. i'm giving very small example and i d- i don't know whether uh, the panel or people listening to this conversation yeah. would agree uh, so in delhi all cab wallas mm. and auto wallas have to go through a workshop mm. which is given by manas Hmm. Um, if you if you move around delhi you will see on cabs M-A-N-A-S written on the cabs hmm. so this is a training program for all drivers where hmm. they are they are taught about you know how to deal with their customers women uh, customers female so it is happening and we'll, we'll have I agree
0: to st- we can have workshops we can have trainings we can have sensitization programs but what I think I mean that should be there and that is essential. But do we not put any
4: responsibility? Pratik? Responsibility, responsibility, should absolutely be But as the Me Too campaign is going on. But if you look, any country or any city, if a girl is harassing or a comment, it, hardly if ten people are standing, then are someone and Mm-hmm. वो वो और, और जो जो mm-hmm.
0: Christina, do you want to come into that? To what Amit and Prateek have said so far? From whatever I've heard, uh, I can. Uh, but I think uh,
5: quite a bit of uh, comments were shared in Hindi. I don't understand Hindi as much as I would like to. Okay. Uh, could you just help me understand at least the gist of what
0: they both said i think amit is saying that i think i actually disagree with amit so i will let him summarize what he was mm-hmm. saying which was primarily that uh, there's no gender sensitization or even sex education back in schools and colleges which sort of explains mm-hmm. why men do what they do
3: no i'm not saying which explains mm-hmm. why it explains uh, why men do what they do but yes uh, there's a i mean if you don't have gender sensitization i i am repeat i'm just repeating myself what i said entire generation of generations have grown up where they don't understand the difference between uh, mm. bu- what is bullying what is sexual abuse what is harassment and you know, these are very... I mean, I'm just repeating what I've uh, read when the Me Too started, when Raya Sarkar's list came out, and there were several men who came out on Facebook and Twitter where they said that, okay, today I realize what I, w- what I have been doing for years was actually sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. And because you did not had any gender sensitization mechanism in the families, in the schools, in the universities and the workplaces, you had all these people doing what they were doing but again uh, you know when you commit a crime you know that you are committing a crime, right? And there's no justification for it. I'm saying that along while we, we today we need to, to also talk about due process. We also need to talk about mechanisms, legal process, and we should not miss this opportunity and should emphasize on gender sensitization so that, you know, the gener- this generation and the generations coming should at least learn from what is happening today.
0: And I was telling Amit that it is completely externalization of responsibility because we cannot just think and right. believe that an entire gender is has been ignorant for half a decade or, or mm. i mean half a century like it's not i just i just fail to believe that and just don't want to accept it what do you <laughs> want to say uh, after i after that prateek wants to come in yeah okay so what do you think uh, Christina? Is it my
5: turn no? yeah yeah. Uh, yeah okay so i do understand uh, both of your sentiments to be honest and i do get what prateek is saying about you know wanting to have uh, some bit of, dare I say, training, right from the beginning, right from childhood, uh, so as to be more sensitized towards how you know women think and are, and you know, be be more sensitized to gender as such. And I do agree with that. I think we all, as people, do need to be sensitized and do need to understand how gender can be fluid, how it's important to respect all genders, and all of that is um, a process in itself. And we are all changing as we speak because. I was not this politicized when I was a child, and uh, for sure, even 10 years ago, my ideas were not the same as what I have right now. So yes, we all evolve, we all change, ideas change us, growing up changes us, who teaches us different ideas, all of that does have a role to play in the kind of people we become. But I also agree with what you're saying, Cherry, because it's absolutely important to not put the honors on external mechanisms. The honors has to be on the perpetrators. The honors has to be on. I mean, at this point in time, given the way we are, given patriarchy, the honors lies on men at this point. Um, Not just men. I think uh, a few months ago.
0: I mean, sorry to butt in. I mean, I was saying not just men, but failing institutional mechanisms is also what I would put the onus on. But you were saying, could you please... Oh, yeah,
5: hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think uh, failing institutional mechanisms are all, I mean, important. But I would like to just point out that, you know, institutional mechanisms, workplace policies, all of that comes into play only after a, a, an act of harassment has been committed, Right. Only after a crime has taken place. Yeah. Of course, you can you can have like prevention mechanisms. You can have sensitization mechanisms and all of it. Hmm. But they are all proactive because something things are already happening. Yeah but ideally what is it that we want ideally we want an equal world we want an egalitarian world where Mm. men and women and everyone who are anything coexist peacefully are able to respect one another and value each other's presence but that's not happening right Mm. now which is why we are talking of gender workshop which is why we are talking of sensitizations and institutional mechanisms etc etc but right now who is going to do the labor of sensitizing men Mm. who is going to pay for it who's no, going I to mean- the physical labor who's going to create content Who's going to be the ones writing modules for it? Hmm. Who's going to be the ones designing lessons? Right. I I'm just hoping that that labour and that monetary burden does not fall on women. I mean, it's a... I'm hoping that hmm. men will pick up that that, yeah. that that effort, that those those initiators. I mean, few we... months ago, I remember reading this absolutely wonderful tweet from Iman Sheikh, and I remember saving it because she she said something around you know uh, something that Iman called it as called as bi log Hmm. where where men get together Hmm. and talk about issues Hmm. talk about struggles talk Hmm. about how we can go about you know uh, solving uh, some of those issues Hmm. of course in my head I imagined it to be like you know like a like an almost like a like a support group that would hmm. be there in maybe that would meet every week everywhere hmm. where, where men just get together and talk about these things and perhaps feminism is something that they want to talk about. Health is another thing they want to talk about. How to approach their girlfriends, what to do, what not to say, what to say, how to be more respectful, how to value women, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, the, this is just one imagination of how men can take up the mantle, how men hmm. can do the labor. True. but of course. I mean, given the creative minds that we have in our generation, I'm hmm. sure there would be several such hmm. such uh, uh, initiatives or such activities that can come up. Perhaps hmm. we may have an app hmm. that helps men out. Hmm. I don't know. But, but, you know, these are things that, that we need to be hmm. talking about perhaps.
0: Christina, uh, we're running out of time, so we will have to close the conversation here. Thank you so much for joining us.
5: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so sorry if I took up too much time.
0: No, no, absolutely not. It was it was great having some new perspectives and insights. Thank you. Thank you so much. Moving on, Amit, do you want to discuss your report and what did you think was underreported in the media?
3: So, yeah, uh, we carried this report on uh, Rohtak's Titoli village where uh, you know there was every element uh, which can trigger communal riot and violence. And uh, this happened on August 22nd. Which was uh Bakreid, and uh, a Muslim youth in the village hit a cow, and she died. And uh, it was early in the morning. Uh, the r- rumor spread across in that village and uh, you know the areas nearby that. Uh, Bakreed Ki Kurbani So this was basically Kurbani as the rumors spread mm. Mm. Uh, But apparently the, Even the post-mortem report has confirmed And police uh, sources in the police Confirmed us that uh, The attack on the calf Was from a blunt object It was not from a sharp weapon Or sharp object mm. Which clearly uh, you know indicates Or proves that it was not Kurbani Number one mm. Number two you had hundreds of aggressive youth in the village. Now, this mm. is a huge village with 10,000 voters, at mm. least 10,000, 10000
0: voters. But why kill a calf?
3: Okay, so the calf had hit uh, hit his uh, niece and in rage, uh, he, there was a stick, he hit the cow and mm. she died. Mm. So, this is what we... Ha- uh, had been told to us by the villagers including Muslims and the mm. Hindu population in the mm. village and remember this is a, a, a village with nine to 10,000 voter population mm. and has almost 36 communities uh, so in Haryana you have villages where there are 36,000 Biradri so you, this village is a 36 community almost 36 communities live in mm. this village mm. and uh, there are around about 100 to 125 Muslim mm. families in the village so clearly they are you know, it's very minuscule number. Didn't
0: Gaurakshaks come forward?
3: Yeah, exactly. So what happened first, the youth, Hindu youth of the village was quite aggressive. Uh, we have access picture which showed as, uh, that the accused, Yamin was the accused 25-year-old uh, Muslim man. Uh, he was the accused, his house was vandalized, his uh, bike was attacked. Uh, so all that happened. And these people were in large numbers. Mm. However, the elderly people from the village and mm. the police somehow managed to, you mm. know, uh, control or contain the violence which might have happened that day. And uh, the WhatsApp messages were spreading, rumors were spreading, video inflammatory videos were put up on YouTube, putting out wrong information about this particular incident. And yes, the police denied to use the word Gaurakshaks, but they said that outsiders had reached the village uh, with the intentions of, you know, uh, creating a further problem. Hmm. So that happened. And why we are talking about this village is that uh, by 20th of September, we read reports which said that a panchayat in Haryana has passed uh, diktats against Muslim community where they cannot keep uh, beard, they cannot uh, wear skull caps or keep Muslim names.
0: So when you were on the ground, is this what you saw? That... People did not have beard. They weren't wearing skull caps.
3: Uh, I did. I did not find, you know, Muslims who kept beard. I did not find Muslims who had Muslim or Farsi or Arabic names. I did not find Muslims uh, who wear a skull cap. Mm. But this has been happening ever since the partition. So the
0: oh, why? This is very peculiar.
3: This uh, particular village, so when partition happened, uh, Muslim population was shifting to Pakistan from uh, this belt. Hmm. The other Hindu community ensured and uh, assured the Muslim community that you can stay and you should stay in this village. We Hmm. will assure... You know, ensure mm. your safety, and we will ensure that you mm. uh, you prosper like any other community in the village. Mm. And that happened, and I, and since ever since independence or partition, rather, uh, the Muslims in the village have been keeping Hindu names. Uh, there's no mosque in the village. Mm there's uh, uh, no particular idga in the village and they don't keep beard so it's very difficult if you enter that village and
0: so it wasn't like hmm. the diktat was being implemented that has been the case
3: yeah that has been the case always but i think uh, again the police says that no diktat was passed The Pradhan of uh, Sarpanch and the Mm. Pradhan of Muslim community say that no diktat was passed. Mm. However, I think, I mean, situation like this, you could understand something like this might have happened. But peace has been restored. And Mm. the positive uh, aspect of this particular village is that it was the people from Hindu community and Muslim community, the elderly people who ensured that, you know, no communal violence happens Mm. in the village.
0: Hmm. Uh, Amit, I'll come back to you but Pratik, I don't want to ask you what you thought over the past week what you that the media cover, should have gotten more attention or something that you thought that it was a lot of cover maybe it didn't deserve as much I think
4: in uh, yeah, Sopal, so, when they were 30-30 kids they were the attacking, you're attacking, attacking <laughs> when they were opposed to <laughs> 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 so, them how did they almost their you, parents and their parents कि फैमिली में सब आके उन बच्चों पे काफी बुरी तरीके से अटैक किया और उनमें काफी बच्चे अस्पताल में भी भर्ती हुई थी hmm. तो वो आई थिंक उसको जिस तरीके से कवर करना चाहिए था उतना हुआ नहीं ऐसा लगता
0: सो क्वांटिटी ऑफ कवरेज और द नुओअंस ऑफ कवरेज की जैसे कवर करना चाहिए था वो की
4: जितना कवर Ka- करना, करना जितना मतलब जी. और मतलब काफी बड़ा so wo ek sexual harassment So okay amit what do you
0: think i
3: even of- uh, i wanted to discuss this report only hmm. and uh, point out the fact that you know when did this incident happen hmm. so it was on saturday hmm. uh, there is this village in Supal hmm. And uh, Kasturba Gandhi Balika Vidyalay is the place where mm. uh, girls from SC, ST, OBC community mm. live. This is a residential school, mm. right? And this happened on Saturday. The Me Too uh, version of India started on Friday. You know, and thirty-four girls were attacked. Thirty of them were injured. They oh. are. They were admitted in the hospital. And and that also shows like uh, the discussion uh, that we had in the beginning of the podcast. The class. And the urban culture of the movement. Mm. So while these people were harassed, they were attacked. You know, they were hospitalized. Media coverage was not as much as it should have been. Mm. Number one. Number mm. two. It happened in Bihar. It's the mm. same state where we read about you know uh, mass molestation and sexual abuse of uh, girls in the shelter homes. And uh, that happened too. That that happened in uh, Muzaffarpur. Mm. So, and it's barely months after the Muzaffarpur incident Mm. that something like this has happened. The Mm. police has already arrested 10 people. Mm. But then uh, I think it had all the elements and the reasons to cover it Mm. and give enough space in the national media.
0: I mean, we have to close the podcast now, but I just want to ask you both to share your recommendations. One, and second thing... Do you think this sort of Me Too moment where, as you said, right now there's no due diligence because it's happening on Twitter and everybody is naming everybody and some of them cannot be verified. Some of them are from anonymous accounts. So is this sort of undermining, first, a journalistic exercise and second, men's right?
3: I mean, journalistic exercise, uh, you know, uh, the end number of reports are coming out. So the best media can do is... Uh, we are just putting out reports based on the uh, claims that are being made on Facebook or Twitter. Twitter, uh, to be precise. And uh, I mean, what what can you do? You you if you if the survivor or the complainant or someone who has finally come out in public and uh, called out the uh, predator. So you you can take her version. You can reach out to the predator if you don't have if these are anonymous accounts so you can't really do much into uh, the claims that are being made number one and uh, men's rights I don't I I mean I don't know it's too early to uh, Hmm. speak or comment on anything Hmm. of uh, such kind but I'm sure there will be people who will champion for men's right right now. And the recommendation, yes. The recommendation is because uh, we missed a lot on whatever happened in Bihar Supal. Mm. So I would recommend uh, a couple of uh, news uh, reports were carried by Hindustan. Hindi Daily and Prapat Khabar so you can read all these reports to understand it and uh, I mean to all uh, men out there we can again I would request it's rather a request that you know Mm -hmm. instead of commenting writing let's take this entire chapter as a learning process read more and more whatever is being put out and Mm -hmm. understand the differences understand the nuances and I mean it's a learning experience opportunity maybe not just read
0: as. interact that is how you learn because
3: yeah at least don't you know reject the claims mm-hmm. which has been mm-hmm.
0: prateek undermining ka to koi sawal
4: nahi uthta isme kyunki jo cheez agar galat hai wo galat hai aur rahi baat journalism to i mean wo claims jo bhi aa rahe hain jisse amitne bataya ki uske basis pe stories ho rahi hain to all should detail mein karna chahiye
0: so, so in hindi media mein bhi you've observed the same thing happening in मीडिया media, तो हिंदी मीडिया में तो और ज्यादा
4: होगा लेकिन वो सब आनी रहा है सामने आपका ये एक आर्टिकल है जो टाइम्स की एक former journalist इन? ने लिखा है जो उनके साथ सेक्सुअल अरेस्टमेंट हुआ था तो ई वेबसाइट है उस पर उन्होंने लिखा है कि कैसे मंजूब उनका सेक्सुअल हुआ था उनके उस वक्त जो I want
0: to recommend a walks piece. Uh, it's called The Reporting That Dethroned Harvey Weinstein and Sparked the Reckoning Just to Won a Pulitzer. Uh, I think it's a great read. So that, and with that, we close this episode of Reporters Without Orders. I want to thank our listeners for their feedback, their love. Please keep them coming. I also want to appeal that all news consumers pay to keep news free and independent. If you want the media to improve, you will have to support it. Because when the public pays, the public is served. When corporations and advertisers pay, they are the ones who are served. Subscribe to News Laundry or any other independent news organization of your choice. Happy subscribing.